Riding through this world All alone God takes your soul You're on your own The crow flies straight A perfect line On the devil's back Until you die Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Crossroads Podcast. It's your boy, the man of a thousand gimmicks, the dustiest man in the game, the diamond in the rough, Diamond Dave. So, first, let's uh, explain the delay in this episode again. I feel like I'm doing this every week. Then I'm going to talk about stuff going on with the podcast. And then after that, we will get into our uh, review of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So, uh, I originally did think I was going to be able to record this on Sunday night, considering that the pay-per-view went significantly shorter than expected. However, I uh, was called into work uh, yesterday, and I worked from 8 in the morning to about midnight. So, I wanted to get my sleep, and um, obviously, I wasn't going to record it when I get back from a 15-hour workday like that. So, I'm recording it today. But I did say last week that it would drop Monday or Tuesday. So, it does seem, de- uh, depending on work, if I have it or not, will dictate on the weekends that when pay-per-views are occurring what or takeovers, whether or not the episode will be able to drop on Monday in our normal time slot at 10 a.m. or on Tuesday based on whenever I'm able to with work. So that's that. Now we're going to talk about a little uh, bit of information about the podcast. If you guys were paying attention to my Twitter, my personal Twitter, Good brother, Anthony DiStefano, from the Rant Foundation, Rant with Ant, Game of War, WizWit. Uh, he also does logo work. And I commissioned him to uh, do my podcast logo. Now, I had an, a different one for uh, my solo podcast, but uh, that never really got off the ground. This one did with the help of starting it out with Jeff and then uh, DFDC going on his hiatus and then coming back with Jeffrey's Toy Yard. So I was already kind of like in the back in the process of doing it. But the logo has been released. I released it on my personal Twitter the other day. And I did, in fact, change the Crossroads profile picture to the new logo and today i uh sent the transparent png file to uh the uh other guys of the fourth wall pop network so 
you will very soon be able to, in fact, get a beautiful piece of merchandise with the new logo from our uh, Fourth Wall Pop swag shop. Wanted to say a huge thank you to Brother Ant Anthony Stefano for doing the logo. It came out sick. If you haven't seen it, head on over to my personal Twitter and you will be able to check it out. And moving forward, like I said, we will be uh, get the fourth wall pop number network will be in fact getting off the uh, off the floor our YouTube channel. So um, I was doing some consideration on uh, what sort of stuff I could theoretically do for video content, and what I came up with, uh, kind of sticking with the uh, crossroads, so to speak, or like the driving, um, idea is I'm going to do a top 10. I'm not sure if it's going to be a weekly or bi-weekly, but it's going to be a top 10. The, it's going to be known as top 10 exits, exits on a highway, etc., etc. And it won't be so much like I talk in depth about about like my reviews during the week about uh you know this stuff but stuff within the wrestling world that I consider like my top 10 of the week whether it be like you know matches champion event um signings etc etc so be on the lookout for the crossroads presents top 10 exits of the week two weeks, etc., etc. You can check, uh, put your alerts on my, uh, Twitter and you, yeah, put alerts on my personal Twitter. I use that a lot more than the, uh, Crossroads, uh, Twitter and, uh, keep up in the loop with news about the Crossroads. And, also, the Crossroads will be adding a an Instagram. Uh, we know that there are some users that only use Instagram, some users that only use Twitter, etc., etc. So we're uh, and not just me. Actually, every show that's on the Fourth Wall Pop Network, you will be able to find on Twitter and on Instagram. So be on the lookout for that. So now, moving on into the main focus of this podcast is Elimination Chamber. Now, there are a few things I want to get off my chest when I start this off. Initially, we had five matches. We had the two chambers, Universal Championship match, Women's Title match, and United States Championship match. Changes had to be made to the United States Championship match. They had a fatal four-way on the pre-show winner going on to take Keith Lee's spot in the triple threat for the United States Championship. Okay, I understand that. I hope Keith Lee's injuries aren't, too, aren't significant. Obviously, there's been a lot of word on whether or not Vince or the higher-ups in WWE see money in him, which 
boggles my mind because he's fucking amazing. And for a man of his size with his agility and the, the things he can do, it's it's amazing. So if they're not seeing something in him that could benefit them, they're they're looking in all the wrong places. All the wrong places. But um, what really pissed me off is they were able to get this Fatal 4-Way together. But then for the Women's Championship, they just canceled the match. Even though they were advertising it up through the pre-show. You're telling me that you couldn't have had a Fatal 4-Way or a Triple Threat or even just a winner moves on on the pre-show for the Women's Championship. The way they've booked Asuka in her title reigns on the main roster is awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, between losing to Charlotte at money at um WrestleMania, I like that she won the money in the bank. And we found out after the fact it was for the Raw Women's title due to Becky uh, taking a leave of absence to become a mother. Obviously, we know now her and Seth Rollins' uh, shoot name, Colby Lopez, have their daughter, Rue. She was born at the end of the year last year. Um, but in that... What really bothered me about the way they're booking Asuka is while I was fine with uh, her and Charlotte having a, a run with the tag team titles, even though I don't really understand it, it caused them to not book her as a Raw Women's Champion. So it basically was just a prop. And now, even moving forward, it... it it's still booked as a prop. Yeah, the Lacey thing kind of screwed things up. But you're telling me you couldn't have potentially had Peyton Royce, Charlotte, bunch of other Raw women's talent compete in a match to give Asuka a match? It's it, it's absolutely awful. And it really makes you wonder on why, it, why they struggle with booking Japanese talent so much. Obviously, they... Kyrie and Asuka have been booked meh on the main roster. Shinsuke, ever since he won the Rumble and lost to AJ Styles and started the nuts and balls um, shit and turned heel. And then with the Artist Collective, he hasn't really been booked very well. But I mean, he, he has had titles, but it, it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent at best. That's the best way I could describe Japanese on the, the current Japanese booking on the main roster. And then even in NXT, they're so talented. Like, why? Why would you not have Kushida go over Johnny Gargano at the last Vengeance at the Vengeance Day? He's he, he's one of the most talented people in in the world he really is but like i said in the last podcast he is in fact not done with johnny gargano but it would just it would really i would just like to see him be booked well asuka and io shirai have been booked well in nxt Kyrie, yes and no but that's neither here nor there i would just like to see them book international talent better than they are just because either they are not able to pro promo as well as 
English speaking talent. I don't know what it is, but their in-ring talent and character work has has the ability to far surpass some some of the other talent that's getting more booking decisions. So that's just me. So as I said, we had a pre-show match, Fatal 4-Away. Winner goes on to face Bobby Lashley and Riddle in the United States Championship match. And those four competitors were John Morrison, Ricochet, Elias, and Ali. Now, I was really curious with Ali in this spot. I actually did think that potentially Ali would uh, try and get involved in the chamber maybe take somebody out and i also thought that the fiend would potentially try and get involved in the chamber but i mean as far as kickoff show matches go this was great i mean you you had your good stuff i i was surprised to see john morrison uh john morrison go on uh, go on to win the match so he took keith lee's spot in the united states championship match now, with the United States Championship match, um, I, I'm, I'm torn. I, 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 I wanted the title off of Lashley. Um, I felt that Ali, Ricochet, Elias, or John Morrison would have been good, but I, I w- wasn't completely sure they would put it on Riddle because there's still a lot of uncertainty with, uh, his what everything going on exterior to the in-ring stuff like uh with regards to the lawsuit from uh the former uh candy cartwright uh we don't know we don't know what's going on with that and as i've tried to uh maintain um balance like you you'd never want to write someone off when accusations like that are made. However, in the same respect, you can't rush to judgment against the accused. So I kind of try and take a stance of neutrality until I uh, I get credible information. And unfortunately, we're not at that yet. But they had Riddle win, and I mean one of the thing. They could have just made it a one-on-one match, but I be- I honestly believe the reason for having the qualification match and into going, uh, maintaining a triple threat match was so Lashley could lose a championship without being pinned. So as to not derail his momentum moving forward. And by the end of the night, we're going to even get into where that leaves Lashley now. But uh, Riddle is your new United States champion. Congratulations to Riddle. Um, obviously, he's a very talented ind- individual. Um, let's see what he does with it. Um, so, moving forward, I'm going to get through uh, the bullshit matches. Then I'll go into the two chambers um, and the fallout from that. Now, the... Women's uh, championship match, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Yes, as I said, I did not expect Sasha and Bianca to win. However, 
what really is bothering me about this whole Sasha Bianca thing is not neither of them. It's Reginald's involvement. You could have very successful women's programs without the involvement of a man. Like, I felt that the James Ellsworth shit with Carmella was stupid. And then when you even think to the fact that the first ever women's Money in the Bank Money in the Bank match, they actually had Ellsworth win. Like, I, I think that's absolutely stupid, and I think that's a slap to the face of the women. Some Similar to the way of um, Santina Morella having one of the spots in the Rumble a few years back. There's more than enough talent in the WWE umbrella that you that you can have proper programs without the necessity of a man. Now this thing with Reginald, he was Carmela Smollier. Now he's like enamored, I guess with Sasha Banks, but really it's been distracting her. Um, and then going to the back and having like these, this awkward shit with, um, this awkward shit with Carmela. It, it, it it's just absolutely weird. I don't understand it. I don't know what they plan to get from it. So it is what it is. And I don't understand why you would have Nia, Nia Jax and uh, Shayna. In all honesty, my only belief in how that match could have been alright would have been a DQ win. But having Sasha or Bianca take a pinfall loss is not a good move for what is potentially going to be one of your main events for one of the nights at the Royal Rumble. As I figure the edge match is going to be main event for one night. And I think the women's Royal Rumble winner challenge should be the second second main event uh so really this match the, the it was doomed from the start and it just didn't do anything for me and one of the things i did want to uh touch on with naya and Shayna, why they're tag team champions again i have no idea and then when you think about it a couple of weeks back they had naomi and lana win a number one contenders match and then you also had Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez win the women inaugural women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and are getting a title shot on the March 3rd episode of NXT. So, I mean, I, I, I'm all for having number one contenders for these titles on each brand, but usually the way it's done is you have the number one contenders match, then you have the that number one contenders title match following. So I personally think the Lana Naomi challenge for the women's tag team championships should have come first. Then you would, since the NXT uh, women's tag team classic happened at Vengeance Day last week, you would have that be the next match. And in all honesty, the only way I see these titles regaining any form of relevancy would be to have 
Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai Wyndham, which is saying a lot because I don't like Raquel Gonzalez. I, D- Dakota Kai like is golden. I don't like Raquel Gonzalez. I really don't. I I I still think she's kind of sloppy. That's just me. It's nothing against her, but I want them to win these belts. And then you could have had this Bianca Sasha match after afterwards. It could have it, it could have been on the next pay per view. I don't know. I just don't understand the way they're booking these titles and all these number one contenders at the same time. You're number one contenders means number one contenders not number one contenders on every every roster so there's that so now being that uh being that the raw chamber ended up with a lot more like what the fuckness let's go into the smackdown uh the smackdown chamber so the SmackDown Chamber started off with Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, which just a couple weeks ago, they put on a phenomenal match. And both of these men were very high favorites for this match. I personally felt that Cesaro, uh, it would have been good going for Cesaro to win. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case um but we had baron corbin come in next doing baron corbin stuff what what i really enjoyed about the, these chamber matches as compared to ones in the past i have i honestly think that they upped the uh mic work from inside the pod because you were able to hear the competitors significantly more clearly than in the past and between Kevin Owens chirping off to everyone else uh, during their entrances or whatnot, or Sami Zayn complaining to the ref about uh, his camera crew couldn't be couldn't be there and that he pays them to be there, it it, it provided for uh, extremely comedic uh, comedic moments. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owen. Sami Zayn just tried to get Kevin Owens uh, on his side. Didn't didn't come to show. But we had Daniel Bryan going on to win this match. I I'm not mad at it. I just think that I I would have preferred Cesaro, but that's just me. So outside of that, Roman Reigns comes out immediately after this after this match to in fact uh have the championship match now i i think that's very heel of roman reigns and obviously he's playing the heel right now so it was a perfect move but i i someone like daniel bryan i i've never i i've never believed in squash matches on top tier talent and it, it 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 wasn't a full on squash. Ma- it wasn't a full on squash match, but it, it it basically was. It was short. It was sweet. Obviously, Daniel Bryan had a chance to sell. You know, the impact of j- having just competed in a in a in an elimination chamber, uh, the toll on his body. Uh, 
And uh, as I said in the preview show, you hear a lot of competitors say, part of you changes when you enter the elimination chamber or a cage match or a hell in a cell because of how unforgiving the steel is on the skin. And and in fact, that that's 100% correct. Now, what really stuck out was what happened after the Roman match. Edge, if you remember correctly, Roman attacked Edge on the go-home show, spear, spear out the ass, was close talking to him with his hands behind his back. Well, we got retribution, no pun intended, from Edge. Coming in with the spear, close talking to close talking to Roman while Roman's on the mat with the pyro from the WrestleMania sign, which signifies that Edge has chosen his challenge. He, and not too far later, WWE released its first promotional match. Uh, I don't, I don't know what they're called, but, uh, match between Edge and Roman Reigns. So Edge and Roman Reigns will be one of your two main events. Most likely the second uh the second night main event as like a especially if Edge is going to win. If Edge is going to win, you want to end that second night uh especially with Edge coming back from so long after having retired coming back last year in the Rumble having his program with Randy having an injury, coming back, winning the Rumble, and then completing full circle, becoming champion. So, kudos. Kudos to you. So, now let's move on to the Raw Chamber. Now, the Raw Chamber was contested between Drew... All former champions, Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and the champion himself, Drew McIntyre. Now, one of the comedic moments of this match was AJ not wanting to wait until his uh, the proper time that he was uh, released from his pod... So, almost broke the plexiglass from the outside, and AJ Styles scurried in, and he even got an immediate pin. I found that extremely hilarious. However, I think if you, like, while a match like that doesn't have rules, you would at least think they would enforce, if someone breaks out of their pod, they can't get a pin until they're officially in the match. That's just me. I think it would have been a nice touch. Meh. But also after this, we see almost getting kicked out of ringside by all the refs on the side and Adam Pierce, WWE's resident, temporary, permanent, I don't know for how long, general manager, head guy, I don't know what you want to call it, but... um. 
I was very surprised, as I said uh, before. I thought that Ali could have gotten involved in this match by uh, taking out Kofi, considering Ali got injured by uh, Ali got injured and Kofi ended up replacing him. That led to the debut of Kofi Mania. Um, I was also really expecting to have an appearance from The Fiend, especially with Alexa Bliss having had that seance in the pentacle. I called it a pentagram, pentagram pentacle. That's just me with the black liquid coming out of her mouth. But I guess they're saving the Fiend return for a later date. I maybe who knows maybe it'll happen at Fastlane. Yes, in fact there is one more pay-per-view between now and WrestleMania, and that is Fastlane, and that is in 4 weeks from this past Sunday. Uh Jeff Hardy took took quite a beating in this match. Uh what most uh, importantly was uh, him getting Claymore immediately after doing the Swanton Bomb. Um, I also wanted to point out that Jeff uh, wasn't wearing his usual very Technicolor makeup. It was very subtle with like the blacks, whites, and grays. He had green eyes, but I wanted to point out uh, the black and white gear was very Willow-esque. For those of you who uh, didn't watch him in TNA or haven't watched some of the promos from his early, before WWE work, Willow is another one of his personas that he, um, that he has. And it looked very Willow-esque. And Hardy has gone on record in interviews talking about his desire to bring the Willow gimmick to WWE. So that just really stuck out to me. Um, what also stuck out to me was how quickly Sheamus was eliminated. Now, my prediction was that Sheamus was going to make it to the final two only to be eliminated by Drew McIntyre. However, that was not the case. Sheamus was eliminated early Sheamus, Randy, and Kofi all were eliminated very early in the match, which is very uncharacteristic of the top-tier stature of those stars. So I'm curious about those bookings. But obviously, what when certain talent was eliminated isn't really what we got from this chamber. It was the finish into what happened afterwards. We had Drew retain his championship only to be attacked by Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley absolutely demolished Drew. Mind you, same thing I said with Daniel Bryan. Drew just competed in a chamber match. The chamber changes people, yada, yada, yada. That's neither here nor there. But Bobby Lashley did it, and then Miz cashed in. Earlier in the night, we saw MVP talking business with the Miz. 
and The Miz cashed in his money in the bank on Drew McIntyre to become WWE champion once again. Now, I'm very surprised that they did this, especially with the fact that I don't expect The Miz to be a transitional champion. But the way Drew's been booked, I honestly expected him to hold the title through Mania since he has not had a defense, a title defense in front of fans. Now, with me saying that the Miz, I don't expect the Miz to be a transitional champion, now where does that put Drew? Because Drew's owed a rematch. Bobby Lashley, we're going to talk about what happened on Raw next week, but you have to figure Bobby Lashley is due for a championship match, and Sheamus never got his one-on-one titles match, one-on-one title match against Drew. So that's three different people who have matches between now and when we figure out the WrestleMania program. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do like that Lashley's finally moving up toward the WWE title picture. I'm really curious to see what uh, they have Miz do with it. Um, With the way Miz is and the opportunist, sneaky bastard type of his his, um, character... I fully expect him to weasel his way out of any and all challengers between now and Mania. And he's going to somehow make it to Mania. I don't know what's going to happen. But one thing I will say, though, I, I used to hate The Miz. If you used to listen to me on uh, the podcast I used to be on with the Kings of the Rings, I hated The Miz for about my whole tenure there. And I finally became a fan of his towards the end of my tenure with the Kings of the Rings. And I do have to say that considering my first uh, thought of The Miz was real world escape from uh, back to New York and him saying he wanted to... he was going to be a wrestler, The Miz, you know, kind of taking the idea from The Rock with the The, Mike The Miz, Mizanin, and then, you know, he was a very douchey character when he first came to WWE, Time and Tough Enough, the host of Diva Search, etc., etc., but you got to give the guy credit, because literally... He's never complained about his position. He's never... He he literally goes out there week in, week out. He's rarely, if at all, injured. And he, and he impresses those in charge. So congratulations to The Miz. Um, I'm, I'm actually excited for this title reign. But I, I do want to emphasize, I'm not a fan of so many of these titles having been hot potatoed the universal championship before roman was hot potatoed for a while the wwe championship just last year randy orton uh drew mcintyre brock lesnar the united states championship you had uh apollo you had 
Bobby Lashley. So I I, I want to start seeing some memorable title reigns and not the not these short like couple month things unless that in those couple month things they actually do some good work because yes back back in the day titles used to change hands all the time like you would have big title changes on raws and smackdowns and well as well during the attitude era but i also do feel that those storylines they hit with the fans a lot better so i don't know if it's if they're going to keep booking these short reigns if they have to well we know they have to significantly improve their booking but it needs to be improved immensely if they're gonna keep doing this with these uh short title reigns because these short title reigns you would after you're a cha- you're ex ex whatever champion like women's champion or world heavyweight championship like that that's a title that's supposed to follow you former champion but if you don't have a memorable reign what's supposed to make the fans give a shit that you were champ for a couple weeks it's stupid and i think it's taking away from a lot of these performers so i do I am glad that we finally have a conclusion to the Money in the Bank saga because they also hot potatoed that. Why would you put the briefcase on Otis only to have Otis lose it to The Miz due to his partner turning heel? Like, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. Hot, hot potatoing doesn't make sense. So, that's just me. So, overall, Chamber was all right. I mean, it, it lost significant points for me because they kept promoting a match that they had all intent, all intentions of just removing. Like, as of my preview, they had, while we figured that it would at least be changed or canceled, it still was, at the time of recording, being promoted as a match on the card. And yes, everyone on Twitter has been saying cars subject to change. Yeah, I understand that. But still, you're telling me you couldn't find anybody in the back. And someone even on Twitter, I found this hilarious, was joking around how it's not that nobody's ready for Asuka. Nobody wants to face Asuka. And superstars would much rather get pregnant than face Asuka. Becky Lynch got pregnant and... The Money in the Bank ended up being for the Raw Women's Championship. And Lacey was due to face Asuka and her and her partner get pregnant. So I, I just found it funny that, yeah, I guess I guess facing Asuka just improves some of these superstars' fertility. Um, I also would like to see some tweaks to the Asuka character. I can mention week in and week out. I would love to see her dark, darker Kana gimmick come back. I don't know if we're ever going to get that because let's be serious. WWE doesn't like continuing gimmicks that uh, were made famous in other promotions. So I don't know, but we got to keep it fresh. Um, so Chamber was decent for what it's worth. I still think 
having between Royal Rumble and Mania having two pay per views is crazy. You had uh, Royal Rumble on the thirty first of January. You had Chamber on the twenty first of February. So three weeks after Rumble is a pay per view, and then four weeks after four weeks after Chamber is Fastlane, and then if I'm not mistaken. Three weeks after that is Royal Rumble. So that is a lot to pack into a two-plus month period. A two-week or two, give or take, month period. Um, so that's the end of the show. Um, also, one thing I do want to comment on, I think WWE is really stupid for not letting um, Kyrie Sane do a big match in stardom yes she's still under contract but she's just doing ambassador work right now and if they do want to get a foothold in an eventual nxt japan you would think her appearing in her former stopping grounds of uh world wondering stardom would have been great but of course the wwe brass were not on board with that and start world wondering stardom even asked if she could be in a in a battle royal type match similar to how the uh at wrestle kingdom new japan does the uh the battle royal the uh the rumble rombo um i don't know i i i think wwe is really petty for that and i think wwe is petty for the way they treat their employees. I think WWE is really petty, especially with what you're seeing with all of this cross uh, brand stuff with uh, some of the other, um, some of the other companies. So now we're at the end of the show. It's time to get into all of these social media tags and whatnot. You can find yours truly diamond Dave, the host of the crossroads podcast on Facebook. D a V I D space m-a-l-k-i-e-w-i-c-h you can find me on instagram o-z-t-e-p-0-8 and you can find me on twitter at i-n-d-i-e underscore d-u-s-t-y d-a-v-e you can find juniper queen uh queen juniper of the bun fort first of her name Lord of the Playpen, Master of Tritos. You can find her on Instagram at J-U-N-I-P-E-R-B-U-N-Z. She actually just surpassed 1,500 followers. I haven't even broke 1,000 yet, so my bunny rabbit is uh, more enjoyable than I am. Doesn't surprise me. And uh, you could also soon, like I said, be on the lookout for the Crossroads podcast coming to instagram uh when the account's made i will in fact make uh i will make an announcement and you can find the crossroads podcast itself at t-h-e-k-r-o-s-s-r-h-o-d-e-s and you can find all episodes of the crossroads old and new and the pit stops on anchor and you can find our anchor at F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-L-L. 
P-O-P. And be on the lookout on that Teespring, the Tee Public, for the swag shop because the logo, the new logo, will be on the shop very imminently. And you will be able to have your very own piece of Dusty Diamond Dave's first piece of merchandise ever. Like, this is a big deal. I'm not going to lie. I've always wanted to have a shirt. I back back with the um Kings of the Rings, it was uh, it was always like we're getting to it and uh you know, we just never got to it. That wasn't anyone's fault. It's just obviously merchandise isn't on the forefront of what you want to do. But I I'm so stoked about the logo that uh Ant made me once again. Thank you, Anthony Stefano, for doing such great work on the uh, on the logo. If you guys need commission work, I strongly recommend uh, hitting him up. He he will work with you to bring your ideas to life, and he's very professional. One of the goodest of good brothers. So until next time, you've been listening to Diamond Dave. And remember, hashtag make it pop and hashtag TikTok do the work. Until next time, Diamond Dave out.